I just think sometimes you need to have thoughts and ideas and frustrations and things that you process yourself. And someone outside of you, like a therapist, can be a great way to process. But even that environment, you need an opportunity to build a relationship. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit crashplan.com slash boss project for 50% off your first year of Crash Plan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. Crash Plan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, Crash Plan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with Crash Plan Professional. Crash Plan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. On today's episode of the Strategy Hour podcast, I want to dive into what it's really like to deal with stress and anxiety while you're building a business, how do you continue to stay productive and how do you build a support team and structure that's going to allow you to thrive even if you're struggling with your own mental health? I know it's been something that has been a huge part of my story and I just want to raise the veil that it is okay to not be okay all the time and you can still be an incredibly successful person who figures out how to manage and cope and still has bad days. And we're going to talk about all of that on today's episode. Before I get into it, though, I really want to celebrate a huge milestone for our company. We have been working for months on the brand new creativetemplateshop.com. And I am so proud of everything our team has put into making this project come to life. And I'm so excited about putting it out into the world. And why It's because it's so much more than just beautiful templates for online business owners. It is about creating community and it is about creating an environment that other people can be fully themselves. And that's a huge part of why I wanted to do today's episode because I know that there's a lot of communities out there that focus on always being successful, on always hitting the next goal or the next milestone and are constantly pushing you. And if I can create an environment where if you have challenges, you can be real about them. If you can talk about the actual issues in your life that affect how you show up and work, I want to do that. And I want to create a safe space that you can be all of you. And have the tools to help you continue to grow. Have the tools to help you continue to save time, improve your productivity, hit new goals, hit new milestones, and take care of yourself and prioritize your family and give your body what you need to feel good inside and out. So I can't be all things to all people, but I can create an environment that allows people to feel welcome 
And that is why I am so proud of everything we've done over at creativetemplateshop.com. And I would love to see you join the co-op to be a part of this. You can go to creativetemplateshop.com slash join and become a member. It's just $47 a month. The price is going up in less than 10 days from when we drop this. So if you want to get in on it, now is the time. This is definitely going to be a really pivotal part of the next year for people. And I'm so excited about the transformations we've already seen taken place and the realness that is inside this group. So we would love for you to be a part of it. That's creativetemplateshop.com slash join. Now, I got to give you a bit of tech news before we get into this, because this story is such a massive headline that I know it's going to change businesses for years, if not decades into the future. This is such big news that I felt like I needed a bulletin in a podcast episode to really talk about it. Because this may be the biggest thing since Steve Jobs was fired from Apple in the 80s. Now, I do want to mention that this podcast episode was recorded on November 20th. And so I know a lot can happen in the next two weeks while this goes through production. And I totally recognize that I am not a news source or a news podcaster. So there is likely going to be a lot of change between now and when this comes out. And I am just talking about what is happening in the moment. So for those of you who haven't heard, Sam Altman, who is one of the co-founders and was the CEO of OpenAI, ChatGPT, as many of you know it as, he was fired pretty abruptly by the board in the last few days. And it came as a massive shock to the community at large. And I know when I heard the news, my heart dropped because I've met the man. I met him over the spring and got to see him speak about AI and the future and what this looks like for businesses and was really touched by his openness to how important this is for the future, but also vulnerability, knowing that there needs to be a lot of regulation and safety put in place so that we have some control over what the future looks like. And it just felt like such a responsible take as to how to control it. Now, I'm not in the day-to-day. I'm not there. I don't work for him. So I don't necessarily have that firsthand knowledge, but I definitely heard his intentions in person and had an opportunity to hear from him. So to hear him being outed of his own company was like a massive red flag. And I was like, oh my God, what did he do? (laughs) That was my immediate reaction. Well, it sounds like he didn't do, and that is exactly why he was let go. There's a lot of reading between the lines. So this is me speculating. This is not proven in fact yet. However, when the board released a statement as to why he was let go, they talked about it being a lack of communication between the board and the CEO. And you just don't do that unless there's some sort of agenda. And that's a major concern. And reading between the lines, it sounds like Sam didn't do anything wrong. And the board didn't like 
the ethical concerns that he was bringing to the table because potentially those could be seen as limitations to the financial future of this company. Now, keep in mind, this company is already valued into the multi-multi-billions. Multi-billions, okay? So them being worried about money when it's already valued at one of the most valuable companies in this country, like, it's wild. And also, like, massively concerning because they have such a powerful I don't even know what you call it because it's not even a technology. It is something that is actively learning and growing. And for them to like let go of that ethical barrier, oof, <laughs> so, so bad, so bad. Okay, so this happens very quickly on a Friday, I believe. And once the news broke to the team, people started quitting. Like left and right. And you you know it's bad when there's a division between the board and the people, the people within the company. So people were leaving and they're like, if he's gone, we're gone. Since then, it's only been three days. More than 500 employees have threatened to leave unless they reinstate Altman as CEO. However, as of this morning, Microsoft which has already given OpenAI billions of dollars, they announced that they hired him (laughs) to be the CEO of a new division, obviously over AI. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if OpenAI is going to break in two and Microsoft is going to steal half of their employees and there's going to be more competition. I don't know. Like they're already in cahoots. Like there's already cross deals happening. So it's really hard to say. I think more competition is actually a very, very, very healthy thing for something that is this powerful and this meaningful for the future of business, all businesses, not just online businesses, but all businesses. But this is like a really big deal. And so I don't expect all of you to necessarily know or care. However, it would be something I would be paying attention to if I were you, because it could mean a lot of changes quite quickly in this space. I'm shocked and more things continue to come out very quickly. And, you know, I would be paying attention to where your company's information is going and what tools you're utilizing, where your money is going when you're utilizing AI. And I imagine some security clauses and terms of service and all of those things could be updated. And <laughs> and it will affect small businesses. It's not just going to affect big tech. So I don't necessarily know what it means for the future. But the fact that Sam has already announced that he's moved on, I don't necessarily know if he's going to go back. But in two weeks when this airs, I guess we'll find out together. On an even more serious note, I just want to put a little disclaimer out that I am not a medical professional. And today, some of the topics I'm going to talk about, they do have to do with your mental and physical health. And if you need help, do not (laughs) rely exclusively on an episode like this. Please get the help that you need. 
And if you are in crisis, I just wanted to pass along that in the United States, there is a suicide and crisis helpline. You can dial 988 either by texting or phone and get someone on the line. So with that, let's dive into dealing with stress and anxiety as the owner and CEO of a company. I have personally dealt with mental health concerns for as long as I can remember. But very specifically, anxiety, like it goes back the furthest. I remember being anxious as even a small child, but I wasn't necessarily treated, so to speak, until I became a teenager. And in my teenage and young adult life, I was on and off various antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, and would see a therapist, sometimes regularly for three months or six months or a year or two. And it was a big part of, you know, the changes I was going through as a kid, but also a lot of situational things that were happening at home and with my family. And I remember even then feeling really cut off from my classmates and those around me, it just seemed like everyone was so happy and I was struggling just to be alive. (laughs) I was struggling to finish my schoolwork, even though I was one of the smartest kids in my class. I didn't, that I know of, like technically ever finish high school. I don't think I've ever like publicly said that, but it was bad enough my senior year that I don't think I went to school the last two or three months of the year. And I definitely didn't take senior finals at all. I had gotten enough credits and done enough throughout school that they put me on the stage at graduation and I still graduated like everyone else. So I got this certificate and was able to go on to college, but I never technically finished high school. And Carrying that guilt into adulthood has definitely just added to the anxiety, not necessarily lessened it in any way. I'm sure there was a lot of very good reasons as to why I didn't finish school. I don't remember a lot of them, though. And so when I say that this has been serious for a large portion of my life, like I do not joke about the level of seriousness this has been. And as an adult, it has been quite interesting to figure out what is the proper amount of attention and time that I give this while also continuing to try to just live my life and run a business and be there for people and support others who have their own set of things going on. Now, in more recent years, I have been actively seeing a therapist since 2020. Basically, the week after I found out my parents who had been married 40 years were getting a divorce. And a week before COVID shut down the entire world. So it's been kind of a whirlwind the last few years. And I think a lot of you can really echo that. And I know many of you have had your own sets of challenges and periods of grief and frustration and stress both in association with what we've all collectively experienced, but also your own challenges and your own personal things that you have been processing and moving through. 
for me personally, my stress and anxiety, when it gets high enough, it will start presenting as physical symptoms. I'll have things like racing heart. I will be tired and achy and get a headache. And often if those things spiral enough out of control, I'll become debilitated. Not to the point that like, I can't walk or talk, but I definitely become a non-functional member of society. You know, I will disassociate and scroll on social, or I will actively remove myself from social situations, or I will take days off from work, you know, multiple at a time where I just am not functional. And that's challenging to be at this point in my life and still have days that are that bad. Days where I don't want to do anything, days where I don't want to put on clothes, days where it's just a challenge to want to shower. And I don't know if you've ever felt that bad, but when you're to the point where you're not even sure you want to get up to wash your body, like it's a lot. And I do not want to discount how hard these things can be. I know my own set of challenges are rough. However, I know a lot of people struggle even more than I do. And so I do not want to discount how challenging this can be while trying to financially support your family and run a business. Because <laughs> those are not unstressful things. Those things can be hard. Those things can add their own weight. They can add to the stress. They can add to the anxiety. And I just want to acknowledge that it can be hard. For a long time, before I started to have actual tools to cope and heal and get to a healthier place, a lot of how I handled this and continued to stay productive was just compartmentalizing. It was pretending areas of my life didn't happen, weren't happening, weren't a thing, ignoring it completely and like putting myself in an entirely different state of mind, which for those of you who've experienced trauma know that sometimes compartmentalizing is survival. It is how you continue to move through life while still allowing that other thing to be true. So I'm not going to say that it's not sometimes the healthy or necessary thing to do. But I know for me, in a lot of ways, compartmentalizing prevented me from acknowledging real things that I needed to move through and prevented me from getting the real help that I needed. If you're someone who is aware that you have stress and anxiety or any sort of mental health challenge, I think it is important for this to be successful that you take a proactive approach. And I know me being proactive has been a huge part of me being able to continue when I didn't think I could continue and has really helped me stay on track. So some of the things that I do to stay proactive is one, I want to reduce as much initial stress in the morning as I possibly can. And so a big part of it was training and allowing my body to wake up without an alarm. An alarm used to be a very stress-inducing thing for me. And being scared awake is not a good way to start your morning <laughs> when you're someone who naturally deals with stress. 
And so I wanted to get to the point that I had a schedule where I could naturally wake up and when I was ready, take a shower and start my day. And that's not to say that like I'm missing meetings or that I am missing work. Like, in fact, like most days I would say I get up between 6.30 and 7 o'clock. I do still technically have an alarm set, but most of the time I've been up for 30 or 45 minutes before it were to go off. And it's only on Monday through Friday. So it's not scheduled at all on the weekends. And I specifically have switched to the alarm that is built into iPhone that is meant for waking up because it's very gentle. Like it starts very low volume and kind of picks up and it's not like a startling noise. Some of the (laughs) alarms I used to set as a kid were kind of terrifying (laughs) to wake up to. And I know for a lot of people, there's a ton of different ways to wake up naturally. I've heard really good things about the hatch that's meant for Adults, you could technically use it for kids where it'll actually shine a light and slowly add more light into the room. I know a lot of people that will put blackout curtains on a timer and they will open automatically at a certain time of morning. But if you need some chillness, working on your sleep to the point that you can do this, I cannot tell you how much my days have improved by removing alarms from my life. That alone, massive. The other part of it is just slower mornings in general. I, by habit, won't schedule anything before 9 a.m. on my work calendar. And oftentimes, if it's with people outside of work, it may be 10 or later. And It's not because I couldn't take a meeting earlier than that. It's not because I'm not awake. It's not because I couldn't be there. But having that slowness that just like really allows me to move from sleep into taking care of myself and like getting fed and showered and all of the things and then moving into work has really made for a more natural progression throughout the day where I feel better. And if I feel better, then I'm definitely less stressed. So being mindful of your energy levels and when does it make sense to schedule things? And are you doing, especially the scheduling piece, are you scheduling things because you feel like you have to do something? Or are you really allowing yourself to reflect on what would be good for me? What would help me? What would make me feel better? What would give me less stress, (laughs) you know, and sometimes it means pushing a client meeting to the next week or only allowing yourself to have two or three meetings on a day, or maybe you only have one meeting a day, or maybe you only meet on certain days of the week and other days you can't have anything on your calendar. There's not a right or wrong way to do this, but you need to acknowledge what about your routine do you want to take charge of? I'm also a huge advocate of regularly including movement. Now, I'm specifically not saying exercise because it doesn't have to be exercise. I'm not suggesting you have to like get in a weightlifting routine or run or do a HIIT workout or whatever for this to be 
successful. Okay. I think I have a lot of trauma (laughs) from diet culture and the things that it has put on my personal life. So part of that is feeling the pressure to work out is just not going to work for me. I have to want to. And so part of having to want to is making it not feel so important. (laughs) And so for me, when I say regularly including movement, it's not a specific routine. It's not a specific need. I literally just have blocked on my calendar from 8 to 9 a.m. walking. And sometimes that means walking around my neighborhood. A lot of mornings, it means walking around my neighborhood. And when it's icky out, like, I don't put this huge pressure that I have to go do the thing, but it may mean that I run an errand or go to the store and and try to still get some movement in. Like, again, it doesn't have to be like this massively long thing. It might be 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 10 minutes. But when you work from home and you just walk like the 10, it's literally 10 feet to my bed. No joke. I could just go crash whenever I wanted making myself move more, it's really critical because I used to watch my steps when I was working corporate and when I started working from home. And just by the nature of working from home, on average, I was getting half as many steps in as I was just walking around the office at work. And so I know that even if it's little, making sure I'm still doing something has helped my mental health significantly. This next one you may not want to hear. I didn't want to hear it either. (laughs) And I could probably do even better with it. But if you're specifically dealing with any sort of anxiousness, limiting caffeine is going to make a really big difference. And so I'm not caffeine free. I have done that before. And actually felt really good doing it. But I like coffee. I like Diet Coke. And part of me feeling good in my body is also allowing me to just like things and have them without this constant pressure of feeling like I can or can't do something. So instead, I just try to have loose boundaries around them that are not requirements, but do help me feel better. And so part of that is I have one coffee in the morning and one Diet Coke at some point throughout the day. And I try to stop drinking caffeine after 3 p.m. It's not to say if I won't go out to dinner, especially Mexican food, that I won't get a soda, but trying to limit it. I know a ton of people that'll like drink three cups and then go back for more and just keep refilling their coffee throughout the day. And I just, I know that that's not good for me. And so I listen to my body and if I finish my cup of coffee and I'm not ready for a break to drive to McDonald's to grab a Diet Coke, then I drink water and that's good for me. The other thing I started doing, and I've talked about this on a previous episode, I couldn't tell you which one it was, but I did start journaling and I had a a moment with a client and me going on to add this little tidbit after made a huge difference for her. So I will add that I had to figure out what journaling meant for me. Because for a long time, and I think a lot of it comes from 
naturally being a perfectionist and wanting things to look a certain way and like having this kind of romanticization around journaling. I thought it meant I had to have a special pen and I had to have a special journal and it had to be on my bedside table and I had to like want to get in bed at 830 and journal every night for 30 minutes and like have all of this rigid routine around it for it to be good for me. And that just never worked. Like I could do it for a couple of days, but I would get bored or just, I felt like I was forcing it and nothing was really coming out of me and it wasn't helpful. It was just making me more stressed out. And so what has really changed the game for me is not dictating how it needs to come out. So if I want to write it down physically, I will. If I want to type it out, I will. If I want to type it in my phone, I will. Generally speaking, I digitally journal. It's almost always in my notes app and there's no timing for it. There's no specific time of day. There's no rigidity that has to happen every day. But the way I think about it is if I start swirling and getting constant thoughts in my head that are pulling me away from work or whatever activity I'm doing, I need to get them out. And so they used to just stay trapped. And as someone who's anxious, I would replay things usually that already happened. So rehearsing things that already happened is just going to make you more anxious. (laughs) So getting them out of your body and onto paper can be really huge, even if it's digital paper. And The journaling has been a great opportunity for me to, you know, sometimes this content will turn into a social post. Sometimes it will turn into an email and I happen to be getting two things done at once. But many times it's just for me. Many times it never sees the light of day. No one else reads it. No one else has access to it. And that gives me a lot of peace of mind that I can just let things out and nobody has to know. I think I used to have this conception that like, if I were letting it out, then someone else also had to know. And I I just don't know if you need to have someone in your life know everything about you. I just think sometimes you need to have thoughts and ideas and frustrations and things that you process yourself. And someone outside of you, like a therapist, can be a great way to process, but Even that environment, you need an opportunity to build a relationship to share certain aspects of your life or your history or the things you're going through right now. So during work, I do do things to reduce the stress I can control. And I think if you need a place to start, this is perhaps the easiest place to start because A, it's the thing you're the most in control of, but also... I think a lot of times it doesn't necessarily feel so much like a commitment. You know, sometimes when you start moving your body or you decide you're going to go to a therapist or a doctor or whatever, like those can feel like such big things. The getting there is going to get harder. I don't know about you, but calling my doctor's office can sometimes take me two weeks because I just really don't want to pick up the phone. (laughs) I just really don't want to do it. So the things I'm going to talk about right now are really things that you can start doing right away (laughs) during your workday and after your workday to take back some things. 
Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. The first one is that work schedule. When do you want to work? For how long do you want to work? What do you want your days or weeks to look like? Are certain days dedicated to certain types of tasks? Does that rigidity actually limit your creativity and you want to be able to flow between things? Are you just identifying a set of things you'd like to accomplish on any given week and then you're just fitting them in as the week goes on? Like, how are you defining what needs to be done, and when. I try to look at my work schedule at least every six months, if not every three months, to identify, is there something I want or need to change? Are there things that are consistently on my calendar that I want to move the time? 
are there ways I want to improve my work schedule? And also knowing that sometimes it's just seasonal, like going into winter, I may want to choose a different way to show up at work than I would in the middle of summertime. I recently did an episode about choosing to drop the urgency and allowing yourself to be slow on purpose. And I know for me, as someone who's naturally anxious, allowing that to be more true more often has been really big. As much as possible, dropping the urgency altogether and acknowledging that the work I'm doing, while important, is not brain surgery. (laughs) I am not saving someone's life. My clients may go through challenges, but there's nothing that I do that's emergent. And taking away that urgency internally for my team has not only helped my staff, but it also has been a great model for our clients. And many of them have felt a reduction in stress just by letting this be true more often. Also, when I'm looking at setting goals or dates or deadlines, I am less married to the plan than I've ever been before. Like, do I want to get things accomplished on a timeline? For sure. And are certain things set in stone, like with a contract? Yes. Like, I still have obligations to people. I still have things that have to be accomplished. And yet the things that I'm in charge of, that I'm setting the arbitrary deadline on, I have a tendency to think they can be done far faster than they actually can. And so, A, knowing that that's how I tend to roll in general, giving everyone more space to complete their work has been a big part of it, but also just being more lenient on revisiting. You know, if we have a big project and we thought it would take four months, two months in, looking at the timeline, what do we have left? Is this still reasonable? Do we need to reprioritize? Does something else need to fall in line first? Like continuing to be mindful of those things on an ongoing basis rather than like getting to a week before some arbitrary deadline that you put on yourself and be like, oh my God, I have to do all of this stuff to make this stuff true or to make this thing happen. There has been some stress that has been helpful for me throughout my career, but that specifically is very rarely something that allows me to do better work. Now, I talked about before work, having slow mornings, during work, controlling what I can control. But then when we go into evening, I, generally speaking, am doing less than I used to by a lot. I used to regularly volunteer at a bunch of organizations that I love and care about. And the amount of time that I'm just giving away is reduced fairly dramatically, especially in seasons where I'm more stressed or more things that are happening. Because by default, I am the kind of person that would do everything for everyone else. And then what I need would always be put last to the point that often I wouldn't ever take care of myself at all. And so if you're in a season where you're in a stress or anxious place, like don't be afraid to say no to things that you know are still helpful, are still important, or still impactful. 
if you're in a leadership position in a nonprofit or you're leading a committee or you're volunteering over here, it is okay to step down. It is okay to put those things down. It is okay to do less. It is okay to say, I can't right now. I didn't think that was true for a long time, but I cannot tell you how important it has been in me figuring out a rhythm that works for me. And now those things get to feel like treats. They get to feel like moments that I can really show up rather than this constant, not even dread, because it wasn't something that I dreaded. It was something I cared about. And it was just adding to the stress, not reducing it. And so being mindful about how I was giving that away was really big. Overall, I needed a better sleep routine. I don't necessarily want a rigid bedtime, and I'm definitely not the person who's going to go to bed early. I've always loved staying up late for as long as I can remember. Like Even as a kid, I would often be the last person in my house still awake. And part of that is definitely because I have insomnia, but also often it's in those quiet moments when the house is dark and no one else needs anything from you that I feel like I can take care of me, that I can relax and think about what I need. And if you're someone who tends to get more insomnia, worse sleep when your stress goes up, I encourage you to do some research around a concept called sleep revenge. I, as someone who tends to give a lot of myself away, sleep revenge is basically you refusing to sleep because you want to capture as many moments of those for yourself to the point that often you're depleting yourself anyway. Look it up. Do a little research on it. I think you might find it helpful. But overall, some things that have been really tangible is I have started using what's called focus on my phone. So in general, you know, there's a lot of things I can do in my house. I don't use overhead lighting after a certain time of day. Like after I've made dinner, everything is just a lamp. So there, you're not going to have that harsh overhead lighting. I purposely reduce it over time. So like there's less lights on as we go into the evening. I have lights that are on a timer. Even in my bathroom, when I go to brush my teeth, they're dimmer at night than they are during the day so that it's not like giving you that, that natural cortisol. I also have put on my phone, you know, you can change focus for work or do not disturb or driving or whatever, but you can actually set custom ones. So I have one that comes on automatically at 10 o'clock at night that turns my phone into dark mode and like actually changes every single screen on my phone. So a lot of my apps disappear. Not that I can't access them, but they go away. The texts that I can get are very limited to just a handful of family members. And I have like my meditation app that comes up. I still have Instagram and TikTok because I love a good evening scroll, (laughs) but intentionally reducing the input absolutely makes it easier to go to sleep. So if you haven't checked out custom focus settings on your phone, 
highly, highly recommend. And I am someone who really, really does not like dark mode at all, like at all. (laughs) However, putting dark mode automatically coming on a certain time of day and turning off in the morning has been way more helpful than I realized. So definitely recommend checking that out. So while there's a lot of proactive things I'm doing throughout the day to help, and more often than I realize, taking care of my mornings and taking care of my evenings always make for a better work day. I also really want to be mindful that sometimes there's things that aren't consciously happening. And becoming more self-aware has allowed me to heal and has allowed me to move through some things that I previously just allowed to stack up and I was ignoring. Now, I do think at some point, sometimes self-awareness can feel like a burden because you'll know why something is happening and you still can't do anything about it. And that can feel incredibly frustrating. And that is where I think a therapist can really come in and help you. However, it has been help for me to understand why I behave naturally in certain ways. And I'm someone who's neurodivergent. I am someone who has struggled with some obsessive compulsive behaviors. I wouldn't necessarily say I have OCD, but definitely some tendencies. My husband absolutely has it. I don't necessarily have ADHD, but when I'm stressed, my ability to focus goes out the window. So I can hyper-focus and I can also completely disassociate. So allowing myself to know those things about myself and giving myself tools to move through that has been really critical. I also learned a lot about why I behave certain ways. And part of that is my attachment style. So I don't know if you've done any research around this, but it's definitely been something that's really fascinating to me. I have what's called an anxious attachment style, and my spouse has what's called an avoidant attachment style, and learning what mine is and what his is, and then actively communicating about why that can actually add to our stress as a couple and in our home environment, continuing to communicate about those things and learn about those things and be open about those things. It has allowed us to still feel the things when they pop up and move through them quicker because they don't move into a fight or they don't move into an elevated state. We can be like, well, that's why I reacted the way I did. Apologize where necessary and continue to move through it. I mean, at this point, I very rarely, if at all, argue or fight with my partner. And that was not true for the early part of my marriage. Overall, while there is a lot you can do on your own, I do think it is so necessary for you to have support. And I want to put a little disclaimer out there that I used to try to put a lot of pressure in my key relationships being supportive in all of the areas And that was not healthy for not only our relationship, but it also often left me disappointed in the relationship itself. And so I want to allow you to articulate, even if it's just to yourself, 
who and what is supporting you in a certain area and not forcing them to be supportive in all of the areas or in all of the ways. And ultimately, this comes down to supporting you across your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, okay? And I mean having people in place to be there for you in those ways. While there's a lot you can do to help, say, with your physical body, I also think there's a lot that can be done from a health perspective. And me actively communicating with a primary care physician and when necessary, getting a specialist on board to help with things was really clear and key. I am not someone who's going to tell you that you should never be medicated or you should always do holistic approaches. I have always had a blended approach that absolutely leans into modern medicine, Western medicine, and more holistic practices. And I think balancing both has been a huge part of what's supported me. And so I'll talk to my primary care about any physical issues I'm experiencing, any changes in sleep. We'll talk about medication as necessary. I am on a low-dose antidepressant, and I am not ashamed of it at all. I think you should get the help you need, and if that's the support that's going to take the edge off, do it. I also will regularly see a massage therapist at least once a month. And to me, this is healthcare. This is not like a luxury. I know from a financial perspective, it can feel that way, but I found someone that was the most affordable possible. And I've gone to her for seven plus years now, at least once a month. And it has been so important for me. During certain time periods, additionally, chiropractic has been really helpful. I think there's a lot of pros and cons. I also think there's a lot of feelings around chiropractic. Some people are so for it and some people are so against it, but I will admit that it has been something that has been helpful to me in the past. You have to find the right person though. Have to. And it's very dangerous if you do not. Now on the mental well-being side, I mentioned a therapist. I, in the past, have gone to talk therapy and felt very isolated, or I would get really frustrated because if I were to go to a new therapist, it would take me two or three sessions to just attempt to catch them up on all the craziness that my life has included. And that drain was just so much and often would prevent me from moving on to find someone else. And early on, definitely in my younger adult years, I saw a lot of therapists that would listen and they were great listeners. And I even trusted them to share what I was sharing with them. However, it wasn't the style of therapy that worked best for me. The therapist I see now still does traditional talk therapy, but she provides a ton of real life coping strategies. Some we just talk through. Other times she's sending me a worksheet or something to think about or whatever. And especially when it comes to like rehearsing or practicing, if I need to have an important conversation, we'll work through that. And she's not telling me how to do something. 
or what to say necessarily, but she will be a mirror back to me. And she isn't afraid of telling me what I'm saying or what she's hearing. And that has been really needed because you're going to have people in your life that love you and just want to either protect you. And so they're telling you like the most risk averse thing. And then there's people on the opposite end of the spectrum that are just going to say yes to you all the time and be your hype people. And that can be great. (laughs) But having a therapist that will just be like, I heard you say, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes that's the kind of communication you need. And so finding that has been really essential for me. But that being said, there's a lot of different ways. And some people do not respond well to talk therapy. I would definitely look into alternatives. I know people who had a lot of success with either EMDR or somatic therapy. And those are definitely things that are more physical and mental combination. It's a little bit hard to explain and it's definitely alternative, but I've heard incredibly great things, especially when complex trauma is involved. But you also need emotional support. And when I'm talking about emotional support, I mean like heart support. (laughs) Like for you need that love. You need that compassion. You need that care. And my spouse has been really important (laughs) through all of this. And I think there was a lot of years he didn't understand. It took work to get to the point where I could rely on him for the kind of compassion that I needed. However, he is so kind and gentle and there for me in so many ways that a lot of people could never. My mom is also... Well, she doesn't always know what to say, she will absolutely drive across town and give me a hug. Or if I'm crying and she'll be there to hold me, you know, she's always been willing to be there. And sometimes you just need someone to be there. I also have incredibly great friends from mostly college who have just loved me through it all. And they may not understand, but they will be there in ways that often other people can't. And having someone love you when you're struggling is so important. Now, it wouldn't be everything unless I also covered spiritual. And while I don't talk a lot about my own spiritual journey or religious past or any of those things with you guys, I want you to know that this just needs to apply to you. You know, how do you show up in the world spiritually? Is this your connection to the universe or earthly things or a higher being or God or whatever? You are a spiritual being, though. And so being willing to acknowledge that you need spiritual support is important. And so I will sing my heart out (laughs) in church and worshiping is specifically in song is such a healing thing for me. And can't tell you how many times I've cried in church because of it. I've also have a really incredible prayer team. So I've struggled with my own relationship. Let's put it that way. And prayer has been something I want to do and not 
always been something I've been great at doing, but I am good at telling people when I need support. And so we have a really incredible team of people in our church that will pray for whatever you need. And we have both anonymous and direct ways of telling them what we'd like them to pray about. And not only do they do that and can I feel it, but they'll also send the most beautiful handwritten cards to just remind me that I'm loved and that people care about me. Like so much so (laughs) that the other week when I missed my flight and it made me a day delayed, like they sent me a card for just getting home safe. And that was just like so sweet. And who does that? Like nobody does that. So feeling supported when like nobody else cares that it's stressful, but the person who's experiencing it, it's just nice to feel acknowledged. Now, while I've talked about physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, I don't necessarily have a box or a place to put this, but I do want to say that if you run a business, you having support in both your business, like in you running it, but also in people who understand your business, like so important. (laughs) So I wouldn't even know what to call this other than logistics. I don't even know. I wouldn't even know what to say about it. Other than to say me having a team in place who can back me up when I'm struggling or when I can't show up in a certain way or when I need to just put something down or I need them to take a meeting for me or whatever. Like having a team has been so rewarding and beautiful and amazing. And then on the flip side of that, having a coach or a mentor that I can go to and ask questions when things are challenging, amazing. And I would love to be that person for you. And then also having friends who just get it. So like, while I have friends who will support me and love me through all the things, there are friends that just like, do not understand what my life is like running a business. So having even if it's a small crew, a small handful of people who just get it, cannot tell you how critical that has been. Because in so many ways, those people tend to have more in common with my everyday life than friends I developed 15 years ago. I think to really sum it up, I'm going to say that the goal is that you need to both manage what you can control and then find the support for the things that you can't in all of the areas (laughs) and be willing to acknowledge them and move through them individually, you know trying to trudge through it all with one person or one kind of support or one method like has never worked for me and often meant I was ignoring a plethora of other areas that I needed help in. And when you're stressed or when you're anxious, I don't care if it's happening to you personally or professionally in your own home or in your family, in your community or you know, across the world. I don't care what's adding. I mean, I do care what's adding to the stress, but I want you to acknowledge that where it comes from is not always where you can manage it. Sometimes if chaos is happening in your day-to-day personal life, you need more support in your business so you can pay attention to that personal life thing or vice versa. If 
really stressful things are happening at work, you may be putting more time and attention there. And thus, you need more support at home. And so I think it's really important that you acknowledge that you are one person who is multifaceted, who has a lot of different needs, and you are going to need support in a bunch of different areas. And you working on building that support team that's going to cover you from the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and business side, like those are important. And I do think there's some misconceptions around this. Like, you being busy does not necessarily mean you're more productive. Sometimes you putting stuff down is the most ideal situation. I think there's also a misconception that stress is always bad. Stress can also be exciting. There can be really amazing things that are happening that still add to your stress, that still make you anxious. And so I don't necessarily want you to be looking at any single emotion as good or bad. You feeling things is the most important part. Feel them, move through them, identify what you need to support yourself through it. It doesn't mean ignoring it. It doesn't mean pushing it away. It doesn't mean compartmentalizing. You may have to do that for a season to like get through the season, but allowing yourself to process is such an important part of this. Acknowledge what you can't control. You may be less motivated at times. You may be more motivated at times because of it. And you have to find the balance that's going to work for you. Some days it means clocking out early. Some days it means calling off. Some days it means you spending time with your family and not at work or vice versa. Sometimes it means you work on that pitch or you work on that email or you finish that client project. And it doesn't mean that you're doing yourself a disservice in other areas. You have to figure out what works for you. And I don't think there is such a thing as balance. I think there is such a thing as a supportive environment that allows you to ebb and flow. I do think you can create structure that allows you to be a whole person, but it's never going to be completely split perfectly between your life and your work. You're one person and you need areas of support across the board. Now, I did briefly mention that I would love to be your support in your business. And by that, I mean that. Not just for the stressful moments, not for just the anxious moments, but for all of it. The wins, the accomplishments, the strategy, the tools, the access, the connectivity, the learning from past experiences. I want to be there for you. And so does my team. And that is why I built the co-op to support you, all of you. And I'm not a therapist, but I'll be the first one to tell you if you're in the group and you're talking about something, I'll, I'll say, here's what I would do. And here's the support I think you also need. I am not going to tell you that I am all the support you need. I'm not. I am one part of a much bigger puzzle, but I'd like to be a huge part of the business part of your puzzle and allow you to be that whole person along the way. So if you'd like to be a part of that community and continue to have access to a group of people that get it, a group of people that want to be there for you, that want to cheer you on, that are also going to understand what it's like, go to creativetemplateshop.com slash join. 
and become a part of this community. It is changing lives, it is changing businesses, and it is creating an environment where people can be real. And I am so excited to have you. CreativeTemplateShop.com slash join. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our Creative Template Shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.